What is up, guys? And welcome to another edition of the Market Marauder Show. Being the market, one trade at a time. All right, everybody's having a great week out there. Uh, so in this episode, we're just going to be breaking down uh, the Evergrande uh, kind of crisis that's going on that made the market go down a little bit earlier this week. Uh, we're just going to do a breakdown of some of the things going on. It's still an ongoing conflict, uh, but just going to give a small little breakdown just so that everybody knows what's going on. So first off, I'm going to talk about uh, what is Evergrande. Uh, Evergrande is one of the, China's largest real estate developers. Uh, the company is part of the Global 500, meaning that it's also one of the world's biggest businesses by revenue. Uh, listed in Hong Kong and based on the southern Chinese city of Shenzhen, uh, it employs about 200,000 people. It also indirectly helps sustain more than 3.8 million jobs uh, each year. The group was founded by uh, Chinese billionaire uh, Zhu Zhain, also known as Haiku Zian. Uh, in Cantonese, uh, who is one of the country's richest men. So um, Evergrande was made uh, its name in residential property. Uh, it boasts that it owns more than 1,300 properties in more than 280 countries across China. Uh, but its interests extend far beyond that. Um, outside housing, the group has invested in electric vehicles, sports, um, and theme parks. It even owns a food and beverage business, uh, selling bottled water, groceries, dairy products, and other goods across China. In 2010, the company bought a soccer team, uh, which is known as uh, Gangzhou Evergrande. Uh, the team has since uh, built what is believed to be the world's biggest soccer school at the cost of $185 million. So that's in the U.S., uh, to Evergrande, so they paid $185 million uh, for this. Um, Gangzhou Evergrande continues to reach new records. Uh, it's currently working on creating the world's biggest soccer stadium, uh, assuming the construction is completed uh, next year and is as expected. Uh, the $1.7 billion site, uh, shaped as giant lotus flower, uh, and will eventually be able to seat 100,000 spectators. So they have some massive undertakings going on, uh, but definitely a pretty cool business overall, especially as far as real estate is concerned. I know in the U.S. there are a lot of people who, you know, want to get in real estate, um, own a, a little bit of houses. Uh, you know, one person that comes to mind when thinking about real estate um, is going to be Grant Cardone. Uh, you know, on YouTube, as far as the influencer mark is concerned, he's really big into uh, real estate. But a lot of people, especially you know, the millennial generation talking about getting into real estate, uh, starting a career of real estate, getting a couple houses, flipping those. Uh, I think real estate is always um, on the minds of a lot of people as far as starting a business uh, right up there with investing into stocks. So, um, you know, very popular as far as real estate is concerned and amazing all the things that this company uh, was able to accomplish. But when this crisis uh, began uh, with the company, uh, the S&P 500 actually took a hit. So around Thursday, uh, it was Thursday the 16th, it was around 447.17. Uh, and then uh, on that Monday, uh, kind of when the crisis started to begin, it opened up at 434.04, then went down Tuesday even more to 433.63. Uh, so S&P 500 uh, definitely took quite a dip. 
based on that, which basically shows the entire market um, took a dip because of this crisis. So people have been comparing this crisis to the collapse of Lehman Brothers. Uh, so I'm just going to briefly give an explanation on uh, the Lehman Brothers crisis, which is something that happened um, in the U.S. So Lehman Brothers uh, filed for bankruptcy uh, September 15, 2008. Uh, hundreds of employees, uh, mostly dressed in business suits, left the bank's office one by one with boxes in hand. Um, it was a somber reminder that nothing is forever, even the riches and uh, the financial, the richness of the financial and investment world. Uh, the time that collapsed, Lehman Brothers was the fourth largest investment bank in the United States with 25,000 employees worldwide. It had $639 billion in assets and $613 billion in liabilities. Uh, the bank became a symbol of excess for 2007 and 2008 financial crisis uh, engulfed by the subprime meltdown that swept through the financial markets and cost an estimated $10 trillion in lost economic output. So definitely was uh, a pretty big thing uh, moving forward for the entire market. Um, it was definitely a very interesting situation. Um, the whole rise and fall of Lehman Brothers uh, was definitely interesting. I encourage everybody to go read it. Uh, there's uh, really good articles out there about the crisis. People have analyzed it uh, just so that, you know, things like that aren't repeated. Um, but overall, it's definitely a very interesting and an amazing learning experience um, for mortgages, the market, investing, um, and running companies in general. So, um, people were comparing this one to the Lehman Brothers uh, uh, crisis. I really don't think it's the same magnitude, uh, especially considering when the Lehman Brothers crisis happened. Um, as you know, in 2007-2008, uh, kind of began the downturn of the whole market. Um, and the fact that the market kind of bounced back up towards the end of the week, uh, and this being a... I won't say solely, but this being mainly a uh, issue with Chinese markets, uh, even though Chinese markets do affect the U.S. markets, um, I think it will affect the Chinese markets a lot more, and that will essentially trickle down to the U.S. markets. So um, I don't think there's a direct effect on that. I think uh, the Chinese markets, um, you know, they kind of have their own thing going on, and they're kind of cross ties between some of the U.S. markets, uh, but I don't think it's kind of the same magnitude as a Lehman Brothers crisis. Um, so uh, going back, explaining, you know, what's going on with the Evergrande uh, crisis. So basically, uh, I'm going to explain how they came into trouble. Uh, so in recent years, Evergrande's debts ballooned as it borrowed to finance its various pursuits. Uh, the group has gained uh, infamy for becoming China's most uh, indebted developer with more than $300 billion uh, worth of liabilities uh, over the last few weeks it's warned investors to cash flow issues or of its cash flow issues saying that it could default uh if it's unable to raise money quickly so that warning uh was underscored uh this month when evergrande disclosed in a stock exchange filing that it was having trouble uh finding buyers for some of its assets so basically having people come and buy in uh to some of the things uh, in some ways, the company's aggressive ambitions uh, was what landed in hot water, according to experts. Uh, the group uh, stayed far from its core business, which is part of how it got into a mess. Uh, kind of like what I said earlier, uh, you know, buying soccer teams and um, 
you know, sports teams and things like that. It's kind of not really on the niche of real estate, uh, but, you know, definitely very ambitious overall uh, and very impressive as well. Um, and so Goldman Sachs, uh, an analysis from Goldman Sachs says the company's uh, structure has also made it uh, difficult to ascertain a more precise picture of its recovery. Uh, in recent note, uh, they pointed to the complexity of Evergrande Group uh, and lack of sufficient information on the company's assets and liabilities. So people are trying to put the pieces together and trying to figure out who they need to pay back, what they need to pay, but they have so many you know, different hands involved in this issue that it's hard for people to figure out uh, what's going on. Uh, so definitely a very interesting you know, move moving forward on how they're going to figure this out. Uh, but they are trying to move forward. So as part of them trying to move forward, uh, Evergrande said Wednesday uh, in the filing that uh, with Shenzhen Stock Exchange, that issues regarding a payment on domestic yuan bond have been settled through negotiations. Uh, the amount interest it owed on the bond is about 232 million uh, yuan or 36 million uh, USD, which is US dollars, uh, according to the data from Refidivi. Um And then, you know, they're talking about uh, trying to encourage investors uh, that, hey, you know, we have a plan uh, to come back out of this. Uh, we have a plan moving forward. So uh, as far as investors are reacting, um, a lot of people sold. Uh, it was a crazy sell-off. Uh, a lot of people sold off. You know, after getting this news, people that were invested and took a lot of profits, and that's what made uh, the shares of the company and the value of the company uh, go down. So on January 4th, um, you know, the company was worth, you know, 14.1 or 1.8 billion uh, USD. And now, um, you know, going down from September 24th, it's down to 0.3 USD. So, um, so the Evergrande shares have crashed, you know, about 85% uh, over the year due to, you know, this crisis building up. Uh, so what's going to happen next for Evergrande? The Chinese government appears to be uh, starting to intervene. Over the past few days, the People's Bank of China has injected some cash into the financial system to help boost liquidity, liquidity uh, in the short term and settle nerves uh, because the whole market was going crazy, essentially, uh, from this crisis. Uh, according to Bloomberg, the net injection from banks was $460 billion, uh, yuan, which is equivalent to $71 billion USD. Uh, sometime this week, including 70 billion yuan or 10.8 billion uh, on Friday. So uh, the government's basically intervening, uh, adding, I guess, if we add both of those values together, uh, about 80.8 or 81.8 billion dollars in total to the market. Um, authorities are clearly uh, watching closely uh, while attempting to uh, project claim. So. You know, they're trying to work to get the thing under wraps. Um, and, you know, a lot of problems that they were having is some of the projects they had weren't finished um, and they were trying to sell them off. But, you know, people don't really want to buy buildings that aren't finished. Uh, and they also don't want to buy, you know, places that aren't able to be rented out. So uh, it's kind of a double edged sword, uh, you know, for the company on trying to get all this stuff together uh, and allocate resources to do so and to rally up money. Uh, especially since this is kind of a national uh, thing that's happened. Um, 
but you know, as far as it being uh, compared to Lehman Brothers, I could see how people make a little comparison to that. But I do encourage everybody to go read the Lehman Brother Lehman Brothers Collapse uh, story. It's definitely very interesting. And, you know, as far as uh, market analysis point of view, uh, there can be some parallels between uh, the two going forward. So uh, definitely a very interesting story, um, especially if, you know, you had stocks in the market, um, you had shares out there uh, or any what portfolio you had. And you saw it just last week just dip. You're probably like, you know, what's going on? Uh, this is kind of the crisis that was going on. And then also. Uh, this week as well, you know, we had uh, the Fed uh, came and spoke. Um, uh, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Fed, came and spoke, talking about, um, you know, the different plans that they have uh, for the economy. So it was definitely a very um, interesting week uh, for the market in general. Uh, but I'll try to keep you all up to date on more of the things going on with Evergrande because this is just the beginning uh, of this crisis. So good luck to everybody out there trading. Everybody has a great week, and I'll see you guys next time. Peace.